so I, uh, I feel a change up from what we were planning on preaching on this morning. Just as we were singing that last song, it's like, man, we just got to go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 about the goodness of God. We sang two songs that talked about how he chases us and stays with us and never leaves us nor forsakes us. Psalm 23. We'll get back to uh, 1 Peter next week, maybe, if that's what the Spirit wants. But 23rd Psalm, you can never get enough of the 23rd Psalm. Somebody here needs this this morning. Maybe we all do. The Lord, okay, we stop right there. You know, when you have one of those days, sometimes the best thing you simply say is Lord. Not in a disrespectful way, but in a worship way, Lord. Uh, because what you, when you do that, you are pronouncing his sovereignty over your life and what's going on in your life and the fact that he's still sitting on his throne. Yes. You know, when you stump your toe, you know, God's not caught off guard. He never says, oops. Watch this. this, this is, I made this sentence up years ago. You ready? God never says, oops, when we say, ouch. <laughs> now, you think about that a minute. Nothing that ever happens to you catches God off guard. He never says, Gabriel, why didn't you tell me that? Bring in Michael. I want to have a talk with him. Why didn't you tell me he's going to stump their toe? God never says, oops, when we say, ouch. So that's a great way to start your day, Lord. Just wake up in the morning and say, Lord. Hmm? Now, don't be looking at your husband and wife and say, Lord. <laughs> don't go look in the mirror and say, Lord. Hmm? Make it an act of worship. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, we go through life, a lot of us, thinking the Lord is somebody else's shepherd and not mine. The Lord is Sue's shepherd. Look how much he's favored her. Look how beautiful she is. And she's had not had a thing done in her life. She's never had a surgery. You know, she's perfect in every way, right? And we look at people that way and we say, what? you know, they've never had a thing going wrong in their life. The Lord is her shepherd. He's not mine. What does David say? The Lord is my shepherd. He's a personal shepherd. He's not a distant shepherd. He's not off in some field somewhere, you know, fishing while you're over here hurting. Right? He didn't leave you. He didn't forsake you. And the Lord is my shepherd. Doesn't matter what you're going through today. He is your shepherd today. He wants to be your shepherd day. Barbara, I know you've got something to say here in a minute about this because you've been studying about this for a long time. I just looked at you and I know you've got something to say about the Lord as your shepherd. You got it? You got it? It's something about this psalm in here. We'll get to it. You're such a student of this era right now. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall want for everything I need. You know what it says? The Lord is my shepherd. He is a vending machine. Is that what it says? The Lord is my shepherd. He's Santa Claus. Is that what it says? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want, is how mine says it. I shall not be in want. There are quite a few songs on the radio today playing. Lauren Daigle's got one that everything I need, God provides. Everything I need, God provides. It's a great song. Listen to it sometime. Meditate on it. He's always there for us with everything that we need. Not everything we want. You know, I'd like to have a 
Lamborghini, preferably red, right? Not really, but wouldn't we want something like that? Do I? Yeah. Debbie? She told me to, she told me to say, that's really what she wants. That's asking for a ticket. That's asking for a ticket. <laughs> if you can afford the Lamborghini, you can afford the ticket, right? right? Or the guy that bought the Lamborghini a couple of months ago and on his first test run with it, crashed it and totaled it. Yeah, yeah, just drop a million dollars right there on the tree, right? Hey, the Lord is your shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God does not make you lie down on dirt and rocks. Debbie and I, when we first married, I was a youth pastor, music and youth pastor at a church in Georgia. And we had planned a youth camping trip right and so we went to this place and you pitched your tents and everything it had a it had a building there for the latrine you know for showers and toilets and stuff but you pitched in tents well we weren't paying attention and we pitched our tent and man it was cold that night and sleeping bag wasn't warm it's was just hard ground got up the next morning realized we'd pitched our tent on a rock <laughs> pitched our have you ever pitched your tent on a rock anybody that's ever been camping you have two of you Three of you. Do what? On top of the rock itself? You're the man. Wow. I mean, I had a little layer of dirt, but it was just rock, and it was cold, miserable. God does not make us lie down on rocks and gravel. Listen, if you're laying down on rocks and gravel, God didn't do that to you. Perhaps you did it to yourself or someone else did it to you, but God didn't do that. All right? God doesn't give us cancer to teach us a lesson. He doesn't give us diabetes to point us in the right direction. I've read some things this past week where, yeah, I had cancer, and God gave that to me so I could figure something else about him. No, it doesn't work that way. Jesus never gave anybody an illness. However, he liberated everybody from an illness that wanted to be liberated from their illness, right? He demonstrated the Father's heart for us. He makes us lie down in green pastures. Why green pastures? What, what do sheep do? They eat, right? They go to the bathroom and they, they do wool, right? It's, and, and they have babies. So eat. He gives them green grass to eat. And they can lie down and eat. Why would you lie down and eat? Most animals stand up and eat. Why do most animals, animals stand up and eat? Exactly, exactly. They're looking over their shoulder to make sure everything's okay. God says, you can lay down and eat. I got this. I got this. Amen? Right? Isn't that beautiful? Then got to look over your shoulder, just lay down and eat. He leads me beside quiet waters. He leads me beside quiet waters. Well, what's the difference in a sheep in quiet waters and a sheep in rushing waters? You can wash the sheep away. You can wash the sheep away, exactly. One has rest, one doesn't. One has rest, one doesn't. Right? Have you ever fallen into a lake with a wool coat on? Anybody? <laughs> what would be the first thing you would do if you fell into the lake with a co wool coat on? You'd be taking that coat off, right? Because you can't swim in a wool coat. Right? You would sink to the bottom. If a sheep gets in water, it's wearing a wool coat, right? Mm -hmm. 
it's going to sink to the bottom. So quiet water, still waters. A sheep feels safe to lean over and drink. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Now, I'm going to guess that almost everybody in here needs their soul restored this morning. Some of you have had a long week. Some of you may have had an amazing week, and that's good. Praise Jesus, right? But some of you had some disturbing news this week. Some of you had something weird happen this week. Some of you were scared to death this week, and your soul is still a little troubled. The psalmist over and over again said, Why are you so troubled, O soul? Why are you so troubled? Put your faith in God. Put your faith in God. He restores my soul. Now, how does God restore soul? How does he restore your soul? Yes, exactly. What else? Remind you of his promises, yes. How does he restore your soul? He gives you peace. What else? He I'm sorry, what? He gives us home with him. Yes. His presence. Yes. What else? How does he restore? Has he restored your soul this week? Did he? Did you allow him to? Did you invite him to? How did he restore your soul this week? Band practice? I would agree with that. Right. Yes, he's... He's with us in our trials and tribulations. He makes us aware of his presence in that. He restores our soul. You know, I think sometimes I hear God tell me, Jim, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Isn't that what you would tell your child if they were troubled about something? It's going to be all right. And why would you tell them that? Why would, you, why would a 35 or 40-year-old parent tell their 12-year-old child it's going to be all right? They know the hope's always there because they were 12 at one time, right? You will survive pimples, even if you're 62 like me and still having pimples. Crazy, right? God speaks to us and says, it's going to be all right. You know, God loves talking to us. A lot of times we don't listen, right? We're too busy, but God's always talking to us. Remember our number one principle here at Rock Springs Church, number one, the, the core principle for us is God's at work all the time in everybody's life all around the world trying to convince them that he loves them. That's the bottom line of what God's doing. He uses us sometimes to help him out with that. He wants to restore your soul this morning. So how do I go about that? Just ask him, Father, would you restore my soul this morning? I'm troubled about this and name it. Say, would you restore my soul? He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of danger and trouble and trial and cancer and diabetes and all those kind of things that hurt me for his namesake. Is that what it says? What does it say? He guides me in paths of righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness, you might say that's right living. You might say it's a right relationship. 
I prefer to say it's a right relationship. He guides me in paths to have a right relationship with him and a right relationship with you and a right relationship with my wife and my children and grandchildren. Right? He guides us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. So here we find God guiding us in the right direction. So if you're going in the wrong direction, where is God? He's with you. He's standing in the path saying, uh, this is the wrong direction. Uh, this is the wrong direction. Don't, don't go this way. This is the wrong direction. He will make a way of escape if you'll allow him to. If you go in the right direction, he'll say, this is the right direction. This is the right direction. And you'll know it's the right direction. You'll feel it in your spirit. This is the right direction. There have been times when I've gone up to a building to go in the building and, and got to the door and realized I'm not supposed to be here. I, I've not made a wise choice. In my day's plan, this is not where I'm supposed to be. And turned around and walked away. I've been in situations that I shouldn't have been in. And God made a way of escape. And I recognize, oh, I don't need to be here. I don't need to say this. I don't need to be a part of this. And have left. God wants to guide us in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. You know, one of the commandments is, you should not take the Lord's name in vain. Right? Remember that one? One of, the, one of the big three, thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. We often think it means saying the word GD, right? Or some other name. Although that could be it, that's not it. That's not it. What is taking his name in vain, in my opinion, is saying I belong to Christ and then not acting like it. Saying I belong to Christ and not talking like it. Saying I belong to Christ and not being in right relationship with Mary. Or my wife or my kids or my husband or my dog or my frog or my hog. Whatever it is. Right? Claiming to be a Christian. Taking his name and taking it in vain. The Bible says he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If you're a Christian, you walk around with Christ on your head. Just right there. Right? Emblazoned. I belong to Jesus. He leads us in paths of righteousness because he wants his name to go forward. He wants his name's sake to go forward. As we go forward in him, he goes with us. His name goes with us. And we don't take his name in vain. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Hey, when you're walking somewhere, you're not staying somewhere, right? And when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's just a walk. You don't stay there, right? That's the hope we have in Christian, as Christians is we don't stay in the valley of the shadow of death, right? We move from point A to, to, point, to point, point about Gail here, but <laughs> the broken wrist again, right? Right? I walk through the valley of the shadow of death you are with me you are with me you never leave me nor forsake me as I walk through I will fear no evil you know when sheep are going on a trail there are places they go through that are narrow and could be they could be easily attacked uh, by a wolf or people who want to steal the sheep and as they walk through these valleys, as they walk through places where harm can come to them, the sheep say, I fear no evil. Why? Because God's restored their soul. 
Have you ever noticed this about your life? God restores your soul and gets you all charged up and you're moving along and life is going great. And then all of a sudden you walk through one of these little valleys and you start to fear again. And God says, look, I've, I've, I helped you here. I helped you here. I helped you here. I'll help you here. Just like David. When, when all the guys were scared of Goliath, nobody wanted to go out and fight him. And David was taking some cheese and crackers, right? Nabs as we call them in the South. He was taking some cheese and crackers to the boys at the front line to feed them. And he walked out there, and here's Goliath, hollering and screaming, I'll kill all of y'all, send somebody here to fight me. And David's looking around like, somebody go out and kill that guy. Why, why are y'all all standing here? What is the problem here? Give me my machete, right? Let's go for it. And they look at him and say, you're young, you're, you know, you're 12 years old, go back home, you don't belong here. Well, he goes to the king and says, I'll take him out if you'll give me permission. He honored the king. I'll take him out. And the king says, well, uh, tell me about your military history. David says, well, I killed a lion, killed a bear. You know, I've been tending sheep. Uh, I think I can handle this, this for this thing. King says, here, take my armor. <laughs> what is that about, right? <laughs> king passes his armor off to a child. David says, I, I don't need any of that. I, I, I got my sling and my stones, right? He takes down the giant. Listen, when God has restored your soul here and you get to the valley of the shadow of death here, look back at what he's already done. Look back at what he's already done. Your goodness, right? Your goodness is running after me all the days of my life, right? So that's why David said, look, I'm going to look back, see how God put me through this. I'm in the valley now. He's going to take me through this. I'm just walking through. I'm not staying here. I'm moving on. I'll feel no evil for you with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, we know what the staff's for. It has a hook on the end, right? Shepherd's staff. If a sheep gets stuck somewhere, the shepherd can reach the staff under and lift him up out of a hole or something and, you know, carry him off. Well, that's what the hook is for. What's the rod for? It's for protection. It's, it's a rod with a knob on the end of it to beat the pudding out of something. <laughs> I mean, a wolf's just going to come right up into the fold with a sheep, but they don't have guns or, you know, rifles or sniper rifles. Or, you know. They don't have that back in the day. They got a rod, and they beat the pudding out of something. Right? You know, we have the armor of God. Come on now. We have the armor of God. He had the armor of God. And I've heard sermon after sermon that says, oh, there's only one offensive weapon, and it's the sword. That's what I've heard. That's a lie. I'm here to tell you, when the enemy comes after me, if I break my sword, I've still got a shield. And I can beat the pudding out of something with that shield. And if I break my shield, I'll take my shoes off and start popping somebody in the head. <laughs> And if my shoes wear out, I'll take my helmet off and I'll start beating something else with that. Right? Yeah. Come on now. The breastplate. If I have to pop somebody with my breastplate, I will pop them with that. I'm talking about spiritually now for all you people listening on the podcast. <laughs> spiritually speaking. I'm sorry. There's the belt. The belt of truth. Man, you... Man, you start beating somebody with the belt of truth, they're going to back up. When my daddy came after me with his belt, I ran. I did not stand there and bow up at him. I could hit that belt going through the belt loops. Flap, 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 flap. And I knew it was time to run. Oh, you do get it worse. 
when he when daddy finally catches you, it's like do what? No, I didn't learn that one. It's, it's always run. When, you, when you're in the thick of it, all the armor of God is an offensive weapon. Take it off and beat the pudding out of that lie that's coming at you. Just pop it. That's a lie. Bam. That's a lie. Bam. That's a lie. Bam. And if you need some help, call somebody to help you. Call me. I love popping the pudding out of lies. <laughs> Now, here's the thing about the armor of God. We were, not, we were not made to wear it all the time. Paul says, put it on, which implies you get to take it off. I've heard so many Christians say, I'm just in the fight all the time. I'm just in the fight all the time. I'm like, well, why are you picking on Satan? Leave him alone, right? If he picks on you, pop him, right? But if not, go about your day in peace and righteousness. Don't go chasing evil. I know Christians, I just been beat up all day by Satan. And let me tell you something about that. You're not that important. Mm -hmm. Satan can only pick on one person at a time. He is not God. He is not omnipotent, omniscient, or omnipresent. He's a created being. All he is is an angel. He can only be at one place at one time. He cannot attack all of us every day. So if we all come in here this morning and say, Satan was after me, we're all lying. Right? <laughs> yeah, you take somebody like Osama bin Laden, Hitler, Stalin. That's probably what Satan incarnate looks like. That's probably the people that Satan, one person, one time, challenging them. Most of us may bump into a demon occasionally, but most of us bump into our own stupidity. Come on now. Or somebody else's stupidity. Right? Yeah. I mean, really, that's usually what we bump into on any given day. Right? Yeah, and getting to work, you bump into it on 24. <laughs> and I don't know how to actually say this in church, but... Well, just say it, sister. I are married to other women. Right. I, I work around a lot of that. Okay. And I had one of them walk past me the other day. We were talking about the Bible or something. She looked at me and she said, yeah, you believe in that stuff. And I found out my boss is pretty much the same way. She's married to a woman, too. So. Okay. No, no. And what you do is you just simply be Jesus in the workplace. Oh, I, just be Jesus. Me, yeah, yeah, that's what we do. Jesus in the workplace. Okay. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I'm comforted in knowing that God carries a rod and God carries a staff. If I fall in a hole, he's going to pick me up. If I'm in trouble, he's, he's going to pop something for me. And sometimes I have to put on the armor myself. All right. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, right? And so, this is amazing. What's an enemy to a sheep, pretty much? Wolves, right? Basically, there can be some other things, jackals, but let's just say wolves. And so, God says, let's have a meal. And you're sitting there at a table, and all around you, there's a hundred wolves, right? And it's you and Jesus sitting at a table having a meal. And the wolves are all around you. Ready to pounce, but do they? No, because no, there's a lion in the midst, right? King of the jungle. There's a lion in the midst. And when you're having, when a lamb is having supper with a lion, 
That's a whole other sermon right there. When the lamb is having supper with the lion, the lamb never worries about a thing. The lamb doesn't have to look around. The lamb just looks at Jesus, at the lion. Let's have a conversation. He prepares a table for me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Now, anointing a head with oil for a sheep back in the day, you couldn't scratch your head, right? No opposable thumbs, arm won't go up, you know, just won't make it that way. Kind of like bodybuilders who buff up real big like me, you know. And, <laughs> and they can't tie a tie. They can't reach their arm in far enough to tie a tie. Have you ever seen that? They can't scratch their back or their neck. They had to have somebody do it kind of thing. They buff up, right? right? You anoint my head with oil. Well, the sheep can't scratch his head. And bugs get in the head. Now, in the South Georgia where I was raised, we call them gnats. Right, gnats. And so these bugs get in the head of the sheep and the the shepherd puts oil in there and it makes the bugs go away. I wish they could invent something to make gnats go away, right? Never. He anoints our head. He says, man, those little gnats that are bothering you, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to take care of that. In my first pastorate, <clears throat> I was new, getting started, you know, and I was troubled by some of the griping and complaining that people tend to do in church. Christians tend to do in church. Church members tend to do in church, whatever. And one of the deacons took me aside, and he said, I've made something for you. <laughs> he had taken a piece of typing paper, and had cut out the shape of a fly swatter, and had poked holes with his pen. I've still got this, by the way. Poked holes in it with his pen in that piece of paper, and handed it to me. He said, this is what you do with gnats. <laughs> you just don't worry about them. That's what he was trying to say. Let God handle it. That's what he was trying to say. Let God handle it. God anoints our head with oil. My cup overflows. You'll always have enough for the Lord. He, matter of fact, he's a spring of living water welling up within us, the Bible says. Referring to what? Starts with an H. Thank you. A well of water springing up within us. John chapter 7, verse 38. Welling up within us. Our cup runneth over from the Holy Spirit. Surely, goodness and love will follow me. It's like we just sang. Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and love follow us. His goodness, his goodness is following after us wherever we go. I don't know, maybe somebody in here doesn't feel like the goodness of God is following you today. I want you to know it is. And maybe uh, you've been beat down so much you just can't see it. But every day when you wake up, goodness and love are sitting at your bed like a dog, right? Waiting to follow you around all the days of your life. Goodness and love are not like a cat who only show up when they want to be fed or petted, right? They're like a dog, a happy dog. Always there, always, there, <coughs> always following you, right? Always following you. His goodness and mercy always follow us every day. Somebody near needs to hear that truth. And I want you to know God will impress it upon you that his goodness and love are going to follow you today. Back to work tomorrow. Back to school tomorrow. Right? To the doctor's office next week. Wherever you find yourself, goodness and love are going to follow you. So when you walk on, you turn around and look and say, oh, there's goodness and there's love. 
his goodness and his love. And they're following me wherever I go. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this great, great scripture. I thank you that you are a shepherd. You are our shepherd. Help us to live in that truth. Help us to live in that truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.